Good evening guys, Polymaths, episode 10. We are on episode 10. I am on my own for this episode, so I'm running solo. Ashley is home for Christmas. He's gone home to see his parents. Um, he's over in Norfolk. He's taken Siobhan, Siobhan up there. Uh, he was doing some work on his parents' house with his uh, with his dad. Um, I believe he's taken his, his bow up there. So he's been doing a lot of archery. He's been getting out, well, he's been telling me that he's been getting out every day. Uh, sent me a couple of photos of his groupings, which is getting much better. He's getting very tight. Uh, I've not had much chance to shoot today, but I'm going to try and get out and shoot tomorrow. Uh, anyway, my name is, I am Chris Frossin. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Chris Frossin. And you can also find the Polymath Podcast Twitter page, which is at PolymathCast. Thank you for everybody who's been retweeting, favouriting and replying to all the Polymath tweets. It's very, very much appreciated. We started this a couple of months ago, um, basically just because we were having some conversations uh, regularly that we were like, we really should have just podcasted that because that was a really cool conversation. So we started. So thank you very, very much for downloading. I think we, uh, we tweeted out a picture last week saying that we got up to 500 downloads. We've now just broken 600 downloads. So thank you very much, guys, for downloading and listening to our drivel. So this week... It's been a build up to Christmas. Um, I've had a couple of shoots. I had a photo shoot uh, down in Brighton um, of, I told you I told you on the last episode, uh, it was one of my favourite cars. Um, it was a 19, I think it was a 1972, might have been a 1971, but a 1972 Hakosuka Nissan Skyline, which is absolutely stunning. If anybody's seen uh, the Fast Five, Fast and the Furious Five, it's the first car after the intro sequence um, that Paul, uh, Paul, what's his name? Oh, I can't remember his name now. Not Paul Hunter, because that's the snooker guy. Um, that, the, that he's driving in that anyway. It's the black, uh, it's black Nissan Skyline. Stunning car, gorgeous. I've got a big, um, big soft spot for Japanese classic cars of uh, the 60s and the 70s. As most of you know, I've got a Mitsubishi Galant GTO, which is currently in restoration as well. That's having some starting issues at the moment. Um, I've changed the starter motor, but um, doesn't seem to be solving the problem. I've got a wiring issue somewhere, so I need to need to sort that and um, get that back on the road. Um, but yeah, I had a I had a photo shoot uh, last Saturday of these two Skylines. That came about uh, from on Facebook. I dropped a photo up of the Nissan Skylines on Facebook and basically just said, "Look, this is one of my favourite cars. If anybody's." If anybody knows anybody who's got one, just let me know because I'd love to do a photo shoot. And it turns out that one of my friends uh, had a article uh, approved and penned, just needed somebody to take the photos. So uh, I went down and spent the day photographing those two cars. Uh, the owners were amazing. Thank you very much to Mark and Terry. You guys were really good and um, very accommodating to me because I just wanted to keep shooting all day. Um, but um, if you find... If you find my uh, website, it's chrisfrossin.co.uk, or even find me on Facebook, which is Chris Frossin Photography. You can see the photos on there. I did retweet them um, on Twitter, and I'll retweet them again on the PolymathCast Twitter page, so you can have a look at them. But um, that was a lot of fun. We did. Um, I'm getting a, I'm quite pleased actually with the the standard and the kind of direction that the automotive photography is heading at the moment. Um, I'm getting a lot more comfortable and a lot more confident uh, on set, as it were. Um, I've been reading a little bit of The Moment It Clicks, which is a book by a photographer that I'm a big fan of. 
Um, very very big photographer. There's he's got he's probably got millions and millions of fans over the world. A guy called Joe McNally. He shoots for National Geographic, and I've got a book book of his uh, called The Moment It Clicks, which is excellent. It's just basically just um, a book of his anecdotes. So you'll have have a little paragraph on one side of the page, and then a photo that he's talking about on the other side of the page. And he's shot so many photographs, and he's got such a funny way of talking about them. It's a really interesting read. And um, there were a few in there where he was... Actually, it's, there's one here. I've got the page open at the moment. Um, he's taking a photograph of the world's largest laser, which is over in California. Uh, it's the National Ignition Faculty in California. And if I... Actually, I'll just read the, read the anecdote for him as well. So this is kind of getting there with... It's, it's helping my confidence almost uh, when we're out on a photo shoot and um, so this is Joe McNally when he was sent by by National Geographic to photograph this uh, to photograph the scientists over here so anyway uh, you have to keep asking questions on location how does that work when do you do that anything at all relative to this story that could possibly be pictorial in nature scientists are the worst their first response is generally well you can photograph me at my computer how about that then being, being with them all day, if you keep pressing, they'll say, oh, by the way, we're going to blow up a tank with the world's most powerful laser in a test chamber Do you uh, down the halls in a couple of hours. Would, you, would that interest you? Now, let's stay here with a, with a word processor. Keep pushing. No is always the easiest answer. This picture is inside the test chamber at the National Ignition Faculty in California, destined to be the world's most powerful laser. It was sealed up and they didn't want to take off the covers. Understandable, as they weighed about several tonnes and you need a crane to remove each of them. They said, you can photograph our computers. I said, take the covers off and let me inside or I'm not coming. They took two covers off. I dropped a light through one. One strobe pop filled the whole blessedly reflective chamber and I dropped myself through the other side. Shot it wide and the picture ran double truck. Double truck is um, double page spread uh, in National Geographic. So if you want to if you want to see the photo, I'll, I'll retweet it again. I'll tweet a picture of it out there. But uh, if you want to have a look now, just have a search for uh, Joe McNally and world's largest laser chamber. I'd imagine that would uh, pop it up. But um, yeah, you can see where the where the uh, covers are. Um, they do look they do look pretty hefty in terms of having to screw those out. And uh, but again, it's it's one of those things. If you don't ask, you don't get. And there's another a couple of other photographers that I know of who uh, keep saying photograph until you get told not to uh, and then say sorry after. It's always easier to say sorry in in some situations. It's always easier to apologise than ask for permission in the first place um, because a lot of the times they won't give you the permission and and it's it's you kind of then miss the shot. And I'm getting a lot more comfortable and pleased with myself with how patient I'm being and how. Uh, how particular I'm being about the shots, um, and I think this Nissan Skyline shoot particularly exemplifies that. Um, I will tweet out. I think the photo, one of the photos that I've tweeted out, has had about 18 shares on Facebook. So it's absolutely flying. It's um, a tracking shot that we did. So I did the the way I usually do it is I do static shots to st static shots at the beginning of the shoot of all the cars to kind of warm yourself up because. Uh, Everybody needs to warm up, even uh, even uh, when you're doing photography. So static shots at the beginning, um, set out, try and get a little bit more adventurous towards the end of the of the static shoots, and then I will, uh, um, after I've 
kind of chatted with the guys for a little bit and got to know them. I'll take out and uh, we'll go and do some rolling shots. And this time we did some rolling shots. I've just got a new Volvo, a big Volvo V70 Estate, which is amazing. It's a lovely little car. Uh, it's diesel. Uh, it's very, very quiet. I've just got some heated leather and suede seats, which I fitted to it as well. And just wired those in the other day. So we went out. Andy Hinks, who's the guy who's writing the article, he was driving the Volvo. And I was um, comfortably lying in the back uh, with the with the boot up and hanging my camera out of the back of the out of the back of the boot with the two Nissan Skylines following us. And we had a really lucky road. It was a dual carriageway. It's not really a dual carriageway. It was a single carriageway, but it was just a really really wide road. You could comfortably get both the cars side by side on it. Um, and then it had a roundabout at either end, so you could drive down one way, spin round the roundabout and then come back again. Really good, really helpful. And um, we did that a couple of times, did a couple of passes with me hanging out. I like to get my camera, especially with the classic cars, because they're not quite as um, sleek as it were. If you were, if I was photographing a Lamborghini, because the size of the cabin, the cabin size, uh, and when I mean the cabin size, it's the line from above the door to the roof. So the cabin size on a Lamborghini is particularly low. So if you photograph that really low, um, in terms of having the camera down low, the cabin would just vanish. It just wouldn't be there. So you have to shoot that a little bit higher. But the classic, classic cars of the 60s and 70s tend to be tend to have a rather large and high cabin. So I'm, I like shooting those really low down. Uh, they look impressive. It's not an angle that you uh, normally see of the car. So it makes it look different straight away. So I had, um, I was hanging out of the back of my Volvo with a camera probably about six inches off the road. Andy driving down. Um, I kind of briefed everybody where I wanted them. So I wanted Andy out in the middle of the road, one of the skylines close to the inside of the road, and the other one on its rear quarter kind of thing. So we were doing that. Did a two or three passes of that. Really pleased with the photos. And ordinarily I would have said, okay, that's brilliant. I've got them. But um, I thought, no, we've got. I don't. Get, you don't get a chance to shoot Hakusuka skylines very often, so I'm going to keep going. So we kind of stopped off at the uh, McDonald's at the end of uh, on one of the roundabouts, and I said, "Look, really cool. Let's swap you over, and we'll try a different different angle. So see if we can get because I was shooting wide angle as well. Uh, it exaggerates all the spaces between the cars. So if the cars were say a foot away uh, on the photograph, it looks like they're quite a bit further away. So I was trying to minimise and sh and uh, get that gap a little bit closer and smaller so I said um, let's see if you can get almost alongside each other uh, the wide angle lens will exaggerate that space anyway so you'll both fit in the same um, so we did a couple more runs uh, and the one that I'll, I'll, I'll retweet it on the polymath twitter page uh, the one that I got which I'm really really happy with uh, is one of those so it's one of the later ones uh, we were going down the sun was getting a little bit lower so we've got a very good contrast, uh, it looks a little bit like a sunset, and um, yeah, really pleased with it, really cool. A couple of the Nissan Skylines next to each other. We then went back to we then went back to the unit, uh, Andy's unit, which is called the Autobahn, and uh, we went back there, and um, I did all the detail shots and the engine shots and the interior and things like that. Fabulous cars, gorgeous cars, and um, I was actually lucky enough to drive both of them as well. So... <laughs> Very, very cool day. Very, very cool day. Very much enjoyed that. So that was that was the Nissan Skylines. Um, I've sorted out 
sorted out a couple more shoots because of that as well. Uh, another friend of mine called Jamie Arkell um, writes a lot for Total Voxel, so we've got a couple of shoots coming up in January. And um, yeah, I just wanted this. This episode is pretty much just going to be, well, it's obviously just going to be me talking because there's only me here. But I'm just going to go through some of my aims for next year. Everybody kind of does the New Year's resolution, so before Ash gets back, I'm just going to go through and see if I can plan out and um, see where I want to head next year. Obviously, the photography is going to take a big role in that, hopefully. We've got a fair few magazines in the pipeline. Uh, I'm not going to tell you which ones. We'll uh, leave that as a secret and see if you, see if we can uh, drop those out as the year goes on. But I've been working hard to try and get a few more magazines to shoot for. I'm going to send out a few more emails uh, in a bit. A little while to try and try and get some more. That was it's one of the hardest things to do actually, of just kind of reaching out and uh, asking people if they can, well, almost as if you can work for them. And another photographer over in America who I follow quite closely, a guy called Joel Grimes, who most of you'll know if you if you Google Joel Grimes photography, he's got a lot of famous photos. Uh, it tends to be of athletes, but he's got a very very good understanding of light control and. Um, building and controlling the light around the subject so one of the things that he says is cold calling is very very difficult and he used to get sweaty hands and he'd sit there and stare at the stare at the phone for 10 minutes before he actually made the call and um, so cold calling like that I've got uh, a couple of couple of ideas I want to um, email or call some companies in uh, Derbyshire and offer some headshot photography for them at a reduced rate. I've done some headshot photography for a couple of friends who own companies in Derbyshire um, who I know through through David Lloyd where I'm a tennis coach. So they've uh, needed some headshots for various things so I've been doing those doing those for those so I want to offer that out and see if we can get um, a little bit more business coming in from there sort of thing and we'll keep the automotive photography ticking on. One of the big things that I want to try and get done this year though is get the Galant on the road. I know it's been, everybody's going to be kind of, all my friends are always bugging me to get it back on the road. It's uh, um, It's been a very, very long time. It's a very, very emotional car for me. It was it was bought and uh, restored with a lot of history with one of my friends who sadly uh, isn't here anymore. But it's it's so close. There's uh, there's literally just there's literally an ignition problem somewhere on the ignition circuit. I don't know. The the thing that scares me is I don't know whether it's going to be the ECU. If it's the, if it's the ECU, a I don't know how to. Or I'm not entirely sure how to find out whether it is the ECU. Uh, so I don't know. It's it's going to be a bit difficult to diagnose that. Um, and if it is, then where am I going to get a a, a second ECU for a 1988 Mitsubishi Starion because <laughs> they they uh, aren't aren't uh, regular cars over here. It's a bit difficult to get, so that'll be tough. But as soon as that gets back on the road, that is just going to get. I'm going to challenge myself to photograph that every week. So it's going to have at least every week, probably twice a week. I'm going to have a photo of that every every week. Brand new photo coming up. Um, I want to try and get some a rig sorted out. I was going to get uh, one sorted out a few months ago, but uh, the place I was getting my, I was going to custom make a carbon fibre boom for it, 
but that fell through at the last minute so I'm going to have to try and make one myself either out of carbon fibre or aluminium. I was talking to a friend of mine last weekend uh, when I was shooting the Nissan Skylines, it was in the evening and we were having a chat and um, decided that, well didn't decide but had the idea of rather than using a single um, single tube for the boom for the car rig out of carbon fibre we could use uh, five or six smaller ones and then bond them together or have them bonded together into an aluminium uh, circle to keep a little bit more rigidity and obviously keep the price down a little bit more as well so that's an interesting idea I might have a look at that but uh, other than that I'm going to try and make an aluminium one and get that sorted out from there it's uh, so a carbon fibre, a car rig, sorry, a car rig for those who don't know, is it's a boom that you can attach to the car that you're photographing. So for the Nissan Skylines, it would have been attached to one of the Nissan Skylines. You tend to uh, attach it through suction cups, although there are some undercar car rigs, which uh, some of the higher higher end professionals and videographers use and they are attached by magnets underneath the car and sometimes even bolted underneath the car and then they extend out of the uh, extend out to the side of the car and then on the end of that boom you can hang your camera um, and then if you can get your settings right you can open up the shutter for I think I'm going to try because a lot of the a lot of the rig photography that's out there at the moment is uh, seems to be a little bit of a, on the short exposure side so I'm going to try and aim for 15 to 20 seconds exposure um, and then once you've opened the shutter up for that length of time you then move the car very slowly to avoid any vibrations or bouncing down the road it only needs to be moved down the road three foot three feet two feet something like that and then once the shutter closes you then have a nice crystal clear crisp image of the car and then all the background because obviously that's moving um, or it was moving in the in the photo once you were rolling uh, that's all blurred so you get these very very crystal clear and very sharp um, rolling shots of cars so if you ever see one of those one of the best ones to have a look for is a guy called Nigel Harneman who I shared his light painting photo last week the um, it was a red motorbike the red Honda or was it a Yamaha forget which one it was but anyway uh, I shared shared one of his photos so if you search for Nigel Harneman and rig photography he's done a couple uh, one really really cool one actually up at Prescott Hill Climb on uh, I believe it was a Ferrari but I'm not sure that was up at Prescott around uh, around the first hairpin which is kind of cool so I want to get a car rig sorted out and uh, that'll be that'll be my kind of be my first aim I would have thought I think first thing to try and do get that sorted out um, and then obviously if I can get the glant on the road and then combine that with a car rig I'm going to get some really cool different shots because I mean nobody's nobody's really seen a glant GTO and there's not that many left I don't know whether to believe the DVLA in uh, England but uh, it says there's four left and none on the road which is interesting and one of them mine and I know another one that's up in Manchester uh, I believe somebody's trying to ship one over from New Zealand, um, but um, yeah, there's not many at all. So that'd be quite a quite a quite a cool eye catcher if I can get those photos out on the internet. 
I might even um, try and start up a portfolio page on my website with just the Gallant photos on because I'm going to try and mess around with some light painting with that as well because that's another thing that I want to try and do, see if I can make a light stick, a light painting stick. Again, that was uh, a Nigel Harneman thing. He's made a, a homemade one where you put a an LED in a length of tube and cut the tube down and then you've got like a, a big lightsaber to paint paint with light and uh, so that'd be that'd be kind of sweet for the photography side of thing uh, i want to try and do a little bit more archery because it's a lot of fun we're going to talk about this next week i'm sure when ash gets back because uh, he's been doing a fair bit i'm going to get out tomorrow and do some as well uh, i'm not going to tell you what he's just bought i'll let him tell you because i've just had a text saying you're going to hate me but dot 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 um, and but uh, but uh, again i've been looking at you always kind of look at the things that you can do and i'm very much hands-on so uh, i'm going to be looking at making my own arrows uh, i'm still trying to get the parts to make my guitar or at least try and try to keep up the keep up the um, research so that i know which parts i'm buying because I think making a guitar next year would be amazing. I still need to practice a little bit more. My left hand isn't quite as flexible as it used to be. So that will also be the plan for next year as well. And uh, this podcast, I'm going to keep the podcast going. The podcast is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's it's really nice just kind of, especially with a little bit more time that myself and Ash have got now. Um, Ash, is, Ash is writing full time. He's doing really, really well with it as well. Uh, it's really cool just to find out how he's going about writing, doing all his writing, his books. So it's nice to catch up, and especially now we've got a little bit of archery as well, so we've got to, a couple of things that we can hang out and do. Um, we were thinking about, or we were wondering about what the rules were with hunting. Uh, I know a few, a few places have been saying that you can go down and you can hunt pigeons uh, or rabbits, in particular places because there's lots of them, there's too many of them. Uh, I believe, I'm not sure, but I believe airports are one of them. They open them up occasionally and say that you can hunt some pigeons. Be interesting. Um, I have to get a lot better first. I'm not quite quite that good yet, uh, but uh, to be fair, I'm not not too bad. I've got a pretty close cluster, pretty pretty close grouping of some arrows. Where we're only shooting from about 15 yards at the moment. I'm going to head out to my uncle's farm. In the new year, and see if we can uh, stretch the stretch the range a bit. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, but definitely a definitely a skill that uh, it very much fits in with the podcast as well. And um, and speaking of skills which fits in with the podcast, I wonder what how, how far yo-yos go because I've got a uh, I've got a yo-yo for Christmas. Uh, it was kind of cool just playing with a yo-yo again, um, doing some round the world and uh, little skills and tricks. Um, so that's kind of cool. Very very cool. So, and then obviously we've got some Latin as well. We've got to, we've got to, we must keep up on the Latin. Uh, we did uh, a little bit last. Well, did we do any last week? I don't think we did do any last week. So, I think we might have touched on it. Anyway, we've got we've got a little bit. I've been uh, watching watching a couple of uh, episodes again on YouTube. And they were talking about uh, constructing Latin sem- sentences, and um, basically the. One of the things was we said last week about the questions uh, in terms of quiz and uh, uh, where is and what is. And constructing sentences 
in terms of uh, the noun and the verb. So it was very, very simple. It was, it was things like this is a wave, uh, this is a tree, and this is a rock. Uh, interestingly, the Latin doesn't have a word for is or the, so you can't say this is the rock, and you can't say this is a rock, it's just this is rock. Um, so it, does, it almost doesn't need that uh, a or the word uh, within the sentences. So, for instance, if I was going to say uh, this is a rock, it would literally be the, the noun. The noun would be uh, saxo, uh, which is rock, and uh, the verb est, which is is. So saxon est, or ex, es, sorry, est saxon. So it doesn't matter which way around you put it. Uh, and the same with tree. So tree would be arbor. So the noun would be arbor, and then the verb est would be dropped in either before or after again. So you'd be arbor est, which is this is a tree. Um, and then as soon as you get as soon as you get um, plurals, uh, you have to understand where the stem of the noun and therefore what the ending of the noun is. So for arbor, the stem is actually arbor, and uh, the plural ending would be s, so es at the end of it. So if you wanted to say these are trees, the plural uh, verb for that would be sunt, uh, s-u-n-t. Uh, so it would be sunt arbores, which is there are trees compared to uh, arbor est, which is this is a tree, or just a single tree. Uh, and then things like insula, which is an island, so est insula is an island, whereas sunt insulae, or insulae, I think it's insulae, sunt insulae is there are islands. And this kind of goes on, so you've got under, which is wave, so under est is this is a wave, and unde sunt is these are waves, and wenti, sorry went, uh, wentus, wentus is wind, uh, so wentus est is this is wind, or there is wind, and um, I don't know why you'd have a plural, but uh, wenti is winds, so plural of winds, so wenti sunt, is, uh, there are lots of winds or whatever, <laughs> uh, terra, terra which is obviously it comes from, or oh, it's, uh, it's rooted through into uh, the English word for the ground or the land. And in fact, in Latin, it can mean the ground, land, soil, or even a, a part of land, which is a country and things like that. And so terra est is this is this is the land or this is the soil or ground. Um, whereas if it's if it's lots of countries together, it will be terre. So terre sunt. And uh, so yeah, it's 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 definitely interesting, um, and we're definitely going to kind of keep keep going at it. As, uh, I think we said if, a few episodes ago, if we can, at the end of at the end or halfway through next year, if we can have a little bit of a conversation in Latin between Ash and myself, that would be that would be kind of cool. But I need to we need to keep going at the Latin, and I also need to keep getting my uh, guitar skills going. I'm going to do a little bit once I hang up this podcast, so we'll do a little bit of that. And see how we can get on, um, and then in terms of in terms of what I've got for Christmas because it is Christmas Day today, I'm actually doing my podcast on Christmas Day. I have got uh, the series that the BBC ran, which we were talking about 
pretty much non-stop on the first few episodes, uh, Human Universe, which is the Brian Cox BBC programme. It's the third or the fourth? It's the fourth one in the series, kind of series that he's done. So the first one being Wonders of the Solar System, and then Wonders of the Universe, uh, and then he did Wonders of Life, um, which was really cool. And then Human Universe, which is the latest one, and I've got the books for the Human Universe and the Wonders of Life as well. And we're going to, have to flick through these, but this is is really cool. These uh, the, the little book that's, that's there's always a little bit more in the book than there is in the uh, in the episode. But I mean, I've just turned to the page where they're doing the test between the bowling ball and the feather in um, not in zero gravity, but in uh, in a vacuum. So it had one g in terms of gravitational pull. Uh, but it was in a vacuum, and obviously in a vacuum, a feather and a ball have the same air resistance, so they fall at the same rate, because gravity is a constant. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really cool little book, I'm going to really look forward to reading that. Uh, and the same with The Wonders of Life as well, it would be really cool to read that. And uh, I want to say a big, big thank you to all of you, and it's been really, really good fun, kind of sitting here and, and chatting to Ash, and let having everybody listen to it so thank you very much and hope you've enjoyed it we did get one question come in this week because i tweeted out that i was going to do a solo podcast guy asked uh where is it on twitter here it is guy asked a police car an ambulance and a fire engine arrive at a junction from different directions at the same time who has the right of way i have no idea but if we kind of break it down logically a police car a police car will be going to some kind of uh, incident, incident. Uh, an ambulance would be supposedly, or hopefully, either going to or coming from a life-threatening incident, and a fire engine, the same thing, so it could be going to a, a life-threatening incident again, but in terms of priority, I probably would have said the ambulance, because the ambulance would have been, the ambulance is has a chance to be well a it has a chance to be coming back from uh, an incident with somebody in the back so obviously they might need to get to hospital very very quickly or they're going to an incident and if an ambulance is going to an incident and there's somebody's life in danger or, or a health risk somewhere and um, so i'd probably say the ambulance over the police car if i was going to do it in order Oh, you say ambulance, fire engine, police car? That might kick up a little bit of a fuss, because, but um, yeah, I'd probably, I'd probably go ambulance, fire engine, police car. Let me know if you disagree, but um, I think there's an American version as well with a mail van, um, because I did, I did send out a little tweet to see if there was any, uh, not a tweet, uh, a Google, just to see if there's any official uh, response. But there's a. Uh, there's a there's a question that's I don't know whether it's famous in America, but it's it's brought up in America where you get a police car, ambulance, fire engine, and a mail truck, and they were saying that a mail truck actually has right of way because it's a federal um, a federal vehicle as opposed to an emergency service. But over in England, I think I think I'd be tempted to give the ambulance a right of way over the other three uh, over the other two. Hmm, curious one. But yeah, cheers for the question. <laughs> and no, I have no idea which one has the right of way. Uh, but we could probably lo logically break it down a little bit. So yes, 
Thank you very much, guys. Um, if you are of any sort, of any kind of inkling of uh, motorsport or any kind of petrol head or gear head in America, I urge you to go on to YouTube and search for a video called Project Binky, B-I-N-K-Y. There's two guys in England um, who have got a, I don't know whether it was a company or it's just probably just a little bit of a group called Bad Obsession Motorsport. And they are at the moment doing an absolutely crazy install of an Austin Mini that is having a Toyota Celica GT4 turbocharged and the four-wheel drive system put into it. And it's absolutely bonkers. So if you want to go and have a look at some fabrication uh, and head scratching and problem solving, then pop up and have a look at Project Binky. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. But uh, other than that, guys, I'm, uh, I think that's me. That's me. And uh, I'll say on behalf of Ash as well, that's us done for 2014. We will see you. Ash is back on the 1st of January, so we're going to try and get podcast done on the 2nd. We will get that up uh, on the 2nd as soon as possible. But um, other than that, guys, thank you very, very much for listening to us drivel. And we'll try and keep dribbling over next year as well. We've got lots of things that we're going to try and challenge ourselves to do. Uh, Ash has got a fair few more books to do. I've got a lot more photography to try and do. Um, and we're going to see if we can get better. Ash always wants to try and get better at things, as, as do I. Uh, so I need to get um, a few things sorted out. I've got my photography. Uh, like I say, I've got my guitar. I've got the archery to do, I've got my Galant to get back on the road, I've got a few things that I need to do on the Volvo, I need some new tyres and wheels for that, because the wheels are shot and the tyres are shot, um, so I'm going to be looking for those over the new year. Uh, just fitted the, like I said, I've just fitted the leather leather suede seats, uh, and some fog lights that a guy in the owner's club sent me for free, which is very, very kind of him. And um, after that, we shall see where we go. I think it'd be really cool to get some micro... Or some very, very, not really macro, micro, definitely micro, micro photography going. So get a yeah, microscope and see see what we can see through that. But um, yeah, definitely. We'll have a lot of fun next year. And if you want to kind of join in with us, um, then we'll, uh, we'd love to hear back from you as well. So I shall see you in 2015. Have a good new year. Have you had a really good Christmas? Take care and bye-bye. I can't give Ash a high five this week. It's annoying. Where is he? We'll give him a virtual high five. There we go. Virtual high five to us. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. I will see you all next year. Still need to do the music. Maybe I should just grab the guitar and do some music now. No. Anyway, we'll sort it out. Take care, guys. See you later. Bye.